Hey, what's up, everyone? Let me wish you a, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor at Journey Church International. Uh, and I want to thank you for joining us today for online church on January 1, 2012, uh, or somewhere around that day. Uh, today we're looking in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to go get your Bible uh, and, and get settled in, get a pen. And here's what I want you to do. Underneath this video that you're watching, you're going to see three links that you can click on. One of those links is going to allow you to download our sermon notes for today so that while you're listening to our Bible study, you'll be able to take notes. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, uh, which I've never asked anyone to ever do while I'm preaching. I literally, I want you to put me on pause. Go ahead to the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, pause me, and go print off these sermon notes. Get them printed out. Get your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 5. Get your sermon notes printed out. Uh, and then when you have that ready with your pen, go ahead and press play again. Uh, and we'll continue together to study a, a Bible study that I've entitled as we begin this new year together, Life on Purpose. And in Ephesians chapter 5, as we jump in the text, here, here's what we're going to study today in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul gives a real simple thought, only three verses that we're going to look at today, to the church in Ephesus and the people in, in, the, in the Ephesian church. And he basically tells them this, hey, make sure you don't miss living life on purpose. Make sure you don't just go through life without living on purpose to where you get to the end of it. You're going to look around and, and see how many opportunities that you miss. So in Ephesians 5, we read these words, and I'm reading in the NIV version today. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 15. We'll go through verse 17, and here's what the Apostle Paul says. Be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I want to go back to verse 16, and I want you to underline this verse. And I'm hoping that this verse will become kind of your verse for this year in 2012, and that you and your family will live by this motto in Ephesians 5, 16 and 17. It's this, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. I hope if you have your sermon notes printed out, you actually jot that on your sermon notes or maybe write it out on the top of your Bible. Make the most of every opportunity. In Ephesians 5.15 in the New King James Version, it's a little different translation, uh, it says something really interesting uh, that helps us understand why we need to make the most of every opportunity. And here's what Ephesians 5.15 says in the New King James Version. Uh, Paul said, See then that you walk circumspectly. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, circumspectly is, a, is an interesting word. It's probably not a word maybe that you've ever used. Uh, certainly not a word that, that I use in everyday conversation, if I ever use it outside of reading the Bible. Uh, but it comes from two Greek words that when God, translated into the Latin language and beyond uh, mean two things that, that help this word mean a whole lot to us. This word is made up of two parts. The word circum, uh, which means around, like circle. We get the word circle for that. Uh, and then the word speckly which means looking. We get the word spectacles in the English language from this. So Paul is basically saying, live your life looking around. Live your life looking around so that you don't miss anything. Uh, and, and I kind of call this, you know, every year at spring break, uh, we, we go down to Arizona for a few days with my mom and dad. We play golf. My dad and I watch spring training. For years when I was a teenager, dad and I talked about how one day, uh, we would go and watch baseball and play golf every year at spring training. And we started doing that three years ago. Uh, and every year now in March, we 
go to Arizona and, and we watch a lot of baseball. We play a little bit of golf. Uh, but when I'm on the golf course, I usually hit more balls out of bounds than inbounds. Um, you know, if, if you're familiar with golf, there's the fairway uh, that's nice and short and flat. And then there's the rough uh, that's a little higher grass. And if you're playing in, in Kansas or Missouri, uh, then there's just the sticks. You're going to hit it in the woods. Well, in Arizona, it's the desert. And they'll tell you, if you're going to chase your ball into the desert, they'll tell you, walk slowly and look around because a rattlesnake will jump up and get you. Uh, and I hit about two balls out of bounds before I decided that I was okay losing golf balls because what I call the snake walk, I was so afraid walking around. You know, I, I would take half a step and then literally look in every direction. Then I'd take another step and I'd look in every direction at any kind of tree, any kind of bush, any kind of rock. I would hit with my golf club first because I wanted to live walking around, looking around so that I didn't get bit by a rattlesnake. And that's what Paul's saying in Ephesians chapter 5. He's saying, look, everything you do in life, look at it, look around at it, take your time through it and make sure you're putting yourself in good, safe situations. Make sure you're putting yourself in situations to grow spiritually. Make sure you're putting you and your family and your children, for those of you with families, uh, in a position to succeed spiritually. So my challenge for you this year, Ephesians 5, 16, 5, 15 through 17, is live this year with your eyes open. Live this year looking around at everything in your life uh, and make the most this year of every opportunity that you have. Uh, I've set some spiritual goals for myself this year that I want to give to you. And really, these are the spiritual goals that I have set for our church. Uh, I started in late October and really took the entire month of November to plan the 2012 year for our church. And here's how I planned it. I didn't plan it by how many people we, that, that I wanted to come to our church. I didn't plan it by how many new small groups that I wanted. I didn't plan our year by how much money I wanted people to give in the offering. I, I planned our year this way. I said, what do I want people in our church? When we get to January 1, 2013, uh, which just seems forever out there for a guy who graduated in the 90s, uh, what do I want people to have achieved spiritually? What do I want people uh, to have gone through spiritually in this year? And as I looked at this year, I thought, this is what I want to happen in the lives of our people. In the next few minutes, I'm going to give you four. Four things that, that I want to happen in my life. Four things that I want to happen in your lives this year. And let me say this. If you're around Kansas City right now and you're watching this video, uh, and maybe you've gotten our flyers in the mail, maybe you've looked at our website, Maybe you've just been watching our church at a distance to try to figure out who we are and, and what we're doing. And this is your first opportunity even hearing a message from our church. I want to challenge you first and foremost this year to get in your car and come to Summit Lakes Middle School on a Sunday morning and see us. We'd love for you to come and be a part of our church. It's one of the friendliest churches you've ever been to. It's one of the funnest churches you've ever been to. Uh, you will have a great time if you come and visit our church. Uh, but for you regulars, take notes here very seriously about what you can achieve this year as you move into this year. Uh, and know that if we set these goals, uh, we make the most of our year spiritually, we live this year spiritually looking around and aware of how we're growing spiritually, we'll find ourselves 365 days from now better people, uh, better parents, uh, better spouses, better Christians, hopefully more happy and even fulfilled spiritually because we've accomplished these goals that, uh, that we've set out to pursue this year. So what are they? Four of them. First and foremost, I want every person uh, in our church this year to deepen their relationship with Jesus. I mean, first and foremost, regardless of what else happens in your life this year, if you deepen your relationship with Jesus this year and go to the next level spiritually, uh, this will be 
a good year for you. Might not be your best year ever. Might not be your happiest year ever. But it'll be the most meaningful and purposeful year you've ever had if you deepen your relationship with Jesus. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that, but I want to focus on two. One really tangible way, thing you can gauge, am I doing this? Uh, And one thing that you'll kind of learn as you do it more and more and more. As you deepen your relationship with Jesus, the first way you're going to do that is begin to read your Bible. Uh, At our church, we're big on carrying your Bible, having a Bible, uh, opening the Bible at church, reading your Bible. And that's why our church, uh, in the first 12 weeks of our church's existence, has given away more than 150 Bibles, Genesis to Revelation, because we want people to have a copy of God's Word in their hand that is theirs. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, call our church. We'll, We'll figure out a way to get you a Bible. But this year, you need to read the Bible. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, the Bible tells us that if we get to know God's Word, we'll know Jesus better. And it says this, In the beginning, it's in the very beginning of time, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And in verse 14, it says, That Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible said in the beginning the Word of God stood strong. And when Jesus came, he, he put the Word of God in action in fleshly form. So the more you know the Word of God, the more you'll know about Jesus. So this year as a Christian, and I don't know what you did last year, and to be honest with you, it doesn't matter what you did last year. This year, if you'll set your mind to read your Bible, you will know Jesus more. Start in Matthew, read a few chapters a day, read all the way through Revelation. I promise you, after reading through the 27 books of the New Testament, You'll say, man, I know a lot more about Jesus, and I know Jesus better after reading my Bible than I did before. In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying. He's getting ready to go to the cross. This is right near the Easter holiday that we celebrate. And Jesus asked God about you and I. He said, sanctify them by truth. Your word is the truth. That word sanctify, if you want to write it down, means set apart. means make different. And Jesus is basically telling God, God, I want Christians to be different. I want their lives to be changed. And you say, God, that happens when they study the truth. If you read your Bible, you're going to deepen your relationship with Jesus. The Bible will change your life. I love Hebrews 4.12. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, the word of God, the Bible, is living and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. The joints and the marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The thought is the Bible is alive and it'll speak to you. You'll read a verse and it's not like reading the pages of Sports Illustrated. It's not like reading the pages of your favorite novel. You'll read a verse and literally it'll be like God grabs your heart and says, you need to hear that. You need to be comforted by that. You need to be rebuked by that. You need to be encouraged by that. And as you read the Bible, your relationship with Jesus will deepen. I've asked Pastor Ryan Holt, who's our pastor of spiritual growth at our church, to put together a a Bible reading plan for our church this year. And we're going to have that online. After you get done watching this video, you can go and click on that And you can download it on your computer and you can print it off. And it'll tell you if you're brand new to church, brand new to the Bible, it'll tell you what to read every day so that you read the Bible this year in a meaningful way that helps you deepen your relationship with Jesus. So goal number one, deepen your relationship with Jesus. How do I do that? Start reading your Bible. The second goal is is one that's uh, is a little more mystical. We would say spiritual, uh, but it's something that you can't grasp as easily. It's something that you kind of have to learn. Uh, But I want to challenge you to listen to the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are new to church, that sounds weird, maybe scary. Uh, You say, what what does that mean? Who is the Holy Spirit? How does He talk? What language does He speak? When does He talk to me? 
how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? Those are all tremendous, tremendous questions. Uh, the easiest way I can try to explain it um, is, is that, you know, you, you were brought up knowing you had a conscience. It's that inner thing inside of you that lets you know when you do something right and when you do something wrong. And when you become a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into your life and, and it's like the Holy Spirit jump, jumps into the seat, the driver's seat of your conscience. Your conscience, the Bible said, was put there by God, a sense of right and wrong. But the Holy Spirit jumps in the seat of that conscience and he begins to press those buttons. So if you do something that's spiritually right, the Holy Spirit lets you know on the inside, man, that was good. Uh, when you go serve in Joplin after a tornado, when you serve downtown, uh, when you speak good words to your kids, when, uh, when you see a friend whose marriage gets healed and that good feeling settles in, that's the Holy Spirit affirming that was the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit also has buttons it pushes when you do things wrong. We call that conviction in the church. When you uh, scream at your husband or your wife like you shouldn't, you scream at your kids, you say words you, that, you, that you shouldn't say uh, on the golf course, you, uh, you maybe cheat or steal something at work or you, uh, you know, tweak a spreadsheet to make a presentation look a little better than it should, that conviction that that button will be pressed that you know deep down you shouldn't have done that. Those things are the Holy Spirit. And if, if we as Christians can tune our minds to listen to when the Holy Spirit's saying, yes, 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 do that, and the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 if Christians shouldn't do that, you, your relationship with Jesus will deepen. And, and the only way that I can really think to illustrate this, um, if you've ever heard someone tune a piano, uh, first, it's extremely annoying because uh, they get in a room by themselves. But they used to do this at our old church. A piano tuner would come in and he would sit in our sanctuary at a piano for hours and he would hit one key at a time over and over and over until... It hit the correct tune, which he could hear. He had some machine. I don't know. It all sounded the same to me. But he would say, ding, 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 ding. And then he would just say, ding, 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 ding. And then he would just say, ding, ding. And, and it would get to the whatever that perfect note was. And none of those were it. But he would find that perfect note and say, this is how this note is supposed to sound. The Holy Spirit is continually trying to tune you so you are exactly who God created you to be. And if you learn how to listen to that this year, and, and you say, well, how, how am I going to... Learn to listen. Um, one of the ways is going to be coming to church. Um, you're going to learn from Bible teaching. And, you know, we'll teach you what the Bible says about your life. Uh, one of the ways you're going to do that is, is by getting in a midweek small group. We're going to have small groups that begin uh, Monday, February 5. Literally all over the city we're going to have small groups. And if you get in a small group, you'll begin to learn the Bible and meet other Christians. And you'll begin to hear from the Holy Spirit how you're supposed to live and act and not, not supposed to live and act. Um, our spiritual growth classes that we'll begin to have next year to show you God's plan for your life spiritually uh, from point one through point six. Here's what the Bible says a Christian should become. Uh, and then when you serve others, uh, your heart is soft to the Holy Spirit and, and you're able to just hear God a little more. Um, and like I said, this point may sound mystical to you, uh, may sound a little overly spiritual, but I promise you, if you want to deepen your relationship to, with Jesus, Learn to listen to that conscience that God put in you. Let the Holy Spirit, you know, get out of the driver's seat of your conscience. Let the Holy Spirit sit there. And God will literally show you by, by feel um, how to find your way through life to live the way that you're supposed to live. So my first goal for you this year is to deepen your relationship with Jesus. A lot of ways to do that, but I want you to start with two. Read your Bible. Begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and just getting engaged in the church stuff that we do will teach you how to do that this year. 
And then ask all the questions that you have because those, those things will help you as well. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says this at the very end of the book. Examine yourselves. Examine your life to see whether uh, you're in the faith. Examine your life to see whether you're walking with, with Jesus the way you're supposed to. A good Christian, at least once a week, will look back at their week and say, how do, how do I do spiritually? Um, and they'll, they'll quiz themselves. Uh, and they'll say, hey, I, I scored a 10 this week. Or, wow, maybe I scored a negative 10. Um, but they continually listen to the Holy Spirit, stay in the Word, try to deepen their relationship with Jesus. So that's the first thing I want you to do in 2012. Second thing I want you to do in 2012 is deepen your relationship with others. Uh, God created humanity to live in relationship. Uh, and whether you're married, whether it's kids, whether it's coworkers, whether it's neighbors, whether it's parents, um, God created humanity to live in relationship. As a matter of fact, uh, when God created everything, heaven and earth, the sixth day he created man, there was only one. God had looked at everything creation and said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And he looked at Adam all by himself and he said, that's not good. First time God ever said anything wasn't good. Uh, and God basically said loneliness isn't good. Um, Adam's lonely. He needs a friend. He needs someone like him. So he created his wife who came alongside him. And it's important this year for all of us to deepen our relationship with others. Uh, I'm going to give you five people that I want you to focus on. Not all five of these will apply to everyone, but some of you, all of these will apply to you. Uh, first and foremost, you need to deepen your relationship this year with your spouse. Uh, in February this year, we're going to do a marriage series, and I'm really excited to talk about to talk to you about marriage for two reasons. When I was young and married, um, Danielle and I did not have a great marriage because I was immature and I didn't know how to. She she has always been. She wouldn't say this, or maybe she would. Um, she's always been the perfect wife. She's sitting beside me off camera laughing right now as, as I say that. Um, but Danielle has always been a tremendous wife. I've not always been a good husband. Because uh, I, I was young, immature, I was selfish, um, I was arrogant. But we've progressed now. We'll be married 13 years this summer, and we really have a great marriage. Um, and it, and it, leads to, it really leads to a happy life, a fulfilled life. And I want all of you to be able to experience some of the things that we experience now because of the things that we've learned. Um, Song of Solomon 5.16 says this. And there's a lot of other good verses in Song of Solomon that I'll talk about in February. Um, but Song of Solomon says this, Solomon's wife is talking about him, and here's what she calls him. Uh, she said, my husband is my lover and my friend. He's my lover and my friend. Your spouse should be your lover and your friend. Not just your husband or your wife or the person who makes your meals or the person who pays the bills. You ought to be able to say, they are my best friend um, and they're my lover. We are so close to each other in every area of life they're my best friend. So my goal for you, and I'm going to try to give you, some, give you some ways to do this this year, is to deepen your relationship with your spouse. Secondly, I've got a goal as, as, uh, as one of your pastors this year that you deepen your relationship with your kids. Uh, if you're like me uh, and you have kids, man, the time goes way too fast. My son is 10. He'll be 11 this year. My son has already lived more time in the past in my home than he'll live in the future. Uh, and that kind of hit me when my son turned 10 this year. I thought, I've only got eight years left uh, to really not just be a parent, but become his best friend, to have a close relationship with my son, with my daughter. Um, and I want to challenge you parents to deepen your relationship with your kids this year. In Ephesians 6, 4, Paul says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. This year, at some point, we'll talk about parenting, and we're going to talk about how a Christian parent 
should lead their kids so that they, they have a deeply connected relationship with their kids and their kids have the opportunity to choose whether or not to have a deeply connected relationship with Jesus. So this year I want to challenge you to deepen your relationship with your kids. Say, how can I start? Start this way. When this message is over, shut your laptop off, go turn on the Disney channels, make a bowl of popcorn, um, and get on the couch with your kids. So let's, let's spend a moment together. Or do this, shut your laptop off, uh, turn your phone off, and go pull out a board game uh, and play a game with your kids. Or, or get four blank white sheets of paper and everyone draw a picture. Or go write a note to your kids and give it to them. Begin deepening your relationship with your kids today. Do it right now. Um, thirdly, I want you to deepen your relationship with others uh, by deepening your relationship with what I call your spiritual small group. And, and I kind of played around with the vernacular of number three for a while because at first I said, you know, your small group. And I thought, you know, you're not going to be great friends with everyone in your small group. You're going to have some people in your small group that you know, you know, Tom and, and Betty, but you've never been to their house and they've never been to yours, uh, you know, and, and you don't hang out often. And some of your most spiritual best friends might not even go to our church. So I'm not even talking about here people at our church strictly. I'm not talking about people in your small group strictly. I'm talking about your spiritual small group. The people in your life who are where you are spiritually that you're really close to. The closer you get in friendship to people who are where you want to be spiritually, um, the, the more you're going to grow spiritually. So this isn't just your church friends, not just your, your small group friends. This might be the people you serve with, and it might be people in your small group, and it might be people at our church, but it might be others. But Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend will help him up. But pity the man who falls and doesn't have anyone to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can, how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Friends are good. A couple friends are better. Deeply spiritual friendships are best. And if you deepen those this year, I promise you, your life will be better spiritually this year. Number four, you need to deepen your relationship with a mentor. Um, you say, well, I don't, uh, I, I don't have a mentor. You need to try to find one. Uh, and maybe this isn't the year that you find one. But I believe every Christian at all times uh, needs to have somebody in their life who they can get on the horn at a moment's notice and ask anything. Someone who, you know, maybe a better word for mentor is coach in our day and age. Someone who can just help them get from point A to point B and lay out a path to help them grow. And if you're, if you're here and you're listening uh, to this online today um, and you don't have a mentor, that needs to become a prayer request to you. God, bring someone into my life who can help me grow spiritually. Uh, find that person. Deepen your relationship with them. Uh, and then number five, you need to deepen your relationship with the next generation. Uh, whether we like it or not, we're all getting old. We're all moving on. We will not run the show forever. So we need to be looking at that next generation, somebody five years younger, ten years younger, maybe 15, 20 years younger, uh, that we see and we begin to kind of grab on to them knowing that we need to raise them up to lead the next generation. It might be your kids, might be, uh, might be a, a student in our youth ministry, might just be a, a younger married man or younger married woman in our church, but somebody you identify and you say, I'm going to help them uh, grow and mature. So, so basically, you're looking for a mentor, but you're looking for an opportunity to be a mentor and raise up the next generation. So I want to challenge you this year. Number one, deepen your relationship with Jesus. Read your Bible. 
Listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn how to do that. Number two, deepen your relationship with others. I've given you a list. Uh, Number three, deepen your spiritual impact. That's my third goal for you this year. Deepen your spiritual impact. Our church, if if you know our mission statement, and, and I hope I'll say it enough that you'll learn it, but our church exists to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. My goal for you as your pastor is not for you to just sit in the seats of our church for one hour on Sunday morning and then leave. I want you to make a difference in the world. Uh, you say, well, how, how, do I, how do I deepen my spiritual impact? Easy. You embrace serving. You, you play the game that God created you to play. That's making a difference in the world for Him. You find out who you are, what you can do, and you begin to do that uh, and do it so that God's kingdom and purposes and the glory and fame of Jesus will be advanced. How do we do that? Well, you can serve in God's church of hundreds of people who do that. Uh, and uh, maybe you've just been waiting, sitting on the edge, and you're, this year you need to volunteer. And I will tell you, if you're not volunteering, unless you've come through a real season of discouragement and hardship, unless you've had a bad church experience and you just need healing right now and you just need to sit and let us minister to you, if that's not the situation you're in, if you're just, if, if you're just coming to church to come to church, you need to start volunteering. This year needs to be the year that you volunteer. Ephesians 4.12 says, why, why do people volunteer? God's people are prepared for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's the church, can be built up. And I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about spiritually and an influence. When people serve, God is glorified and, and people are impacted for good. You can deepen your spiritual impact by serving in our community. Man, we're putting together teams right now of people to help cold water monthly locally in Lee Summit. We're putting together teams to go downtown and serve monthly. We've got connections now in Joplin, just two, two hours down the road, to serve regionally. We're talking about going global, and, and you know, we're talking about India this year, possibly Romania this year, uh, maybe a, a, a trip with a few of our, our key men to Israel to find out how we can develop and plant a church somewhere in Israel. Uh, we're talking about New York City, Los Angeles, taking our people and literally scattering them around the globe to, to make a difference. So we want you to serve in the community. We, we want you to consider serving around the world. But I want you to deepen your spiritual impact. Think this year. What am I, here, here's the question to ask yourself. What am I going to do this year for God? Not where am I going to go. This is not a, we're not running a tour agency. But what am I going to do? How am I going to help someone in Jesus' name? Maybe it's at church. Maybe it's in our community. Maybe it's around the world. But you need to plan on this day, January 1, 2012, or whenever you're watching this video, get your calendar out and know that I'm going to do something this year for God. Before the year's over, I'm going to do something. Um, your greatest spiritual impact, uh, maybe the, the, the quickest thing you can do and the thing that will have the longest lasting spiritual impact might just be inviting a friend or a, a family uh, to our church this year. Um, you know, it's really cool to go to India to tell someone about Jesus. But you know what's just as cool? Going across the street or walking across the driveway. Uh, or talking to that mom who sits beside you at a baseball game or a soccer game. Some of the longest lasting spiritual impact you have will come with your family member and friends just by inviting them to church. And listen, we have built a church specifically so that our people could invite their friends. I want you to hear this without being embarrassed. We will work every week to have a ministry product, to have greeters, to have parking people, to have donuts, to have coffee. This is why we have mints and scope in the bathroom because we want you to bring your friends who may have never been to church and we don't want you to worry that the next time you see them, they're going to think you're weird and some kind of cult 
that your church stinks. We don't want you embarrassed by where you go to church. So we try to put together a Sunday product that if your friends come, your family comes and you invite them, they may hate the music, they may hate me and think I'm a terrible speaker, but we want them to leave and say, man, you go to a cool church. They treated my kids right. They were so friendly to me. You do things professionally. We work hard to allow you to be unashamed to invite your friends and family. So if you want to deepen your spiritual impact this year, bring somebody with you. You, you won't be ashamed. They may not like it. They may not come back. Uh, but it won't be the worst experience of their life. I promise you that. So invite a friend or a family member this year. That can be a tremendous first step of spiritual impact. Uh, James 5.20 says this. Great verse. Remember this. Whoever turns someone. It says a sinner, but we had to define that word sinner. So it's not judgmental. That's all of us. But whoever turns someone from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, the Bible says while we were still sinners, we all at some point needed someone to show us the way. James 5.20 says if you show someone the way, you'll change their life. You can change their life and their eternity forever. That's a cool spiritual impact to have. And then finally, and I'll be done with this, I want to challenge you this year, like the title of our Bible study says, to live life on purpose. Make 2012 a year that you live life on purpose spiritually. Um, this could be an interesting year for, for a lot of you. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I won't ask you to turn there, but I'm going to turn there, um, has a famous chapter. I, I've talked about it several times at our church. But for those of you who are, who are brand new, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, and there's a, uh, a chapter in Ecclesiastes that in the 1960s, a music group called The Birds took it and they wrote a song called Turn. But it's basically Solomon admitting that, hey, in life, there's a time for everything. Uh, there, there are seasons where, you know, this may be your best year ever or it may be your worst year ever, but, but it's up to you to try to at least plan to live life on purpose this year. And here's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time of love, a time of hate, a time for war, a time of peace. What does the worker then gain from his talk? If you just go through life and have all these things happen to you, all these ups and downs, what's the purpose? Um, and Solomon says, I, I see the burden God's laid on men. It's hard to try to figure out life. But he's made everything beautiful in its time. It'll happen when it's supposed to. And he's set eternity in the hearts of men, even though they can't fathom how God does that from beginning to end. But Solomon says, I know there's nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their work. This is the gift of God. Listen, you're going to go through a lot of times this year. Some of you, listen to this, this is wild. Some of you at this time next year who are single, you're going to be married. You don't even know who, who your husband or wife is going to be, but... This year was the time to be single, and now last year was the time to be single, and this year is the time to be married. On a sad note, some of you who are watching this right now, who are married right now, may be divorced next year. Somebody in our church is going to experience the death of someone who right now is alive, but, but who will not be. Some of you who uh, are, uh, are, are, parent, are, are married couples without children are going to be parents by the end of the year. I mean... Crazy things are going to happen this year, right? 365 days of life 
And there's a time for everything. Some of you are going to gain weight this year. Some of you are going to lose weight this year. Some of you are going to do it both over and over and over because you're going to lose and gain and lose and gain. That's kind of the cycle that, that I like to live on. Uh, but there's a time for everything. But Solomon says, you know, you can say there's a time for everything, so I'm just going to let life happen. Or I can say there's a lot of different seasons, but I'm going to live life on purpose. And I can't control all the ups and downs, but I can control making sure that I live life on purpose, that I enjoy my life, that I enjoy my family, that I know who God is. And that's what I want you to do this year. Listen again to what Paul said to the church in Ephesus. Be careful how you live. Walk circumspectly. Live looking around, not as unwise, just blindly living life, but as wise, seeing everything. Why? So you can make the most of every opportunity. This could be your very best year ever. It could be your, very, your most blessed year ever. It could be a year where you grow closer to Jesus than you've ever been. It could be a year that you form the greatest friendships you've ever had in your life. It could be a year where you make the greatest spiritual impact that you've ever made. And it can be a year that you look back on it and you said, you know, I set out to do 10 things and I did them all. I lived life on purpose this year. Our church is planning for you to do that. We're already done with all of our sermon series all the way through Labor Day of this year. We know exactly what we want to see happen in your life spiritually. And by spring break, we'll be done uh, with everything through the end of the year because we are doing church on purpose to see you get to where you need to be spiritually. So join us in living life on purpose. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, and normally I end with prayer, but I'm, but I'm not today yet because I don't want you to just, uh, you know, click stop and go do something else. Although I do want you to go hang out with, uh, with your kids eventually. We have two things um, on the screen that I want you to try to do. Every week at our church, we have a connection card that allows us to know who's here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest of our church today, even online, there's a link underneath uh, the video that you are watching right now that will say connection card. You can go click on that and let us know, especially if you're in town, that you stopped by our online church today, you saw what was going on, um, and uh, you'd love to hear more about our church. If you will go click that connection card link, you can check. I'm a first-time guest. Here's my information. Tell me more stuff about your church. Uh, our regular attenders, like you always do, we want you to go sign in today. Click the, uh, click the connection card. Put your name in. Click, hey, I was a part of online church today. Uh, and if you have any prayer requests, if you made any spiritual decisions, as always, you can click that on our online connection card and we will follow up on you, uh, with you. Uh, and then one other thing that we always do on Sunday mornings is, is we always have an opportunity to take an offering to keep the ministry of our church moving forward and more importantly to fund all the causes uh, that our church has. Uh, every time we take an offering, we give a portion of it to Africa in India, in Romania. Uh, and last year we set a goal of 10% of everything that came in to, to give. We actually gave a little more of that. This year our goal is 12%. And every year we want to increase that uh, until one day, man, wouldn't it be awesome if one day we gave away more than half of our offerings to hurting people around the world? Um, you know, Francis Chan, who's a, a uh, kind of, by, through his books, a, a mentor of mine, says he got convicted that if you love your neighbor as yourself and you have a dollar, you'll give them 50 cents. And you'll keep 50 cents. And he said a year where he challenged his church to give away more than half of what they brought in. And they did it. Uh, and, I, man, it would be really cool if our church could work their way up to that. But every time you give, we take a portion of what you give and we give back to ministries. Uh, the reason a lot of people try to force church on days like today, and today is a family day. 
say, Christian, why are we doing online church rather than, than coming and having church? Because we're in a portable mode right now, uh, we have about 25 to 40 volunteers when we do church that spend about an eight-hour day getting our church ready. They're up before six. They usually don't get home until after two. All of them have young children. Uh, and we decided for our volunteers that uh, if we as a church wanted to serve our volunteers, then we needed to let them not have to go to bed at 9 o'clock on New Year's Eve uh, and not have to spend their entire day with their family on New Year's Day at church because we wanted them to be together. Sometimes spending time with your family is more important than going to church. Uh, and I say that as a pastor of a local church. Church is extremely important, and, and we do it almost every Sunday. But there are about four days in the American calendar, New Year's Day, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day, where literally the world shuts down so you can be with your family. Uh, and we wanted to honor that and let people be with their families, yet still be able to have a time of Bible study in God's Word. So that's why we didn't have church today. But uh, uh, many churches who are having church today will look at us and say, you can't cancel church, nobody will give any offering. Uh, and maybe that's true. And, that, you know, it's kind of sad. You don't do church just so people will give any offering. That's really one of the least reasons you actually have a service. Uh, but if, if you this week want to give your tithe and give your offering, you can also, right below this video, there's a link that will allow you to click and securely and confidentially give online. Uh, your money that you give will go right into our bank account like it does when you give in the offering. It'll be recorded. It'll be tax deductible. Uh, so those of you who normally give on a Sunday basis, if you were to have been at church today and given, we want to invite you and encourage you to give online. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can just bring it next week. Uh, but uh, but I, I would love to prove our critics wrong by having our people in our online community give and do everything they could do in church today, but uh, do it in their pajamas surrounded by their family uh, without spending an eight-hour day at church so they can really have great family time today. So I want to thank you for joining us online. Uh, I'm looking forward to church next Sunday, January 8th. I hope you'll join us at Summit Lakes Middle School at 1030 a.m. Uh, and I just want to pray for us all as we end here. Pray that this year we'll live life on purpose and it'll be our best spiritual year ever. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Uh, and Lord, regardless of where we are in the world, watching on a computer right now or maybe watching a DVD, we just pray that your spirit will uh, be on our lives, in our hearts, um, in our minds, and that this year we will decide on purpose to make the most of this year and to grow spiritually, to deepen our relationship with Jesus, to deepen our relationship with others, to deepen our spiritual impact, and to live life on purpose. To do this year what uh, when we get to the end of next year, we'll wish we would have done. We'll look back and say, man, that was a great year, not that was a wasted year. Bless our people today. Lord, as many go and, and give online to, to give their tithes and their offerings, thank you. Bless that gift that we can take it and give as much of it as we can away to, uh, to meet needs all over the world. And thank you for the guests who have joined us online today, who have never been to our church but are checking us out online for the first time. Uh, God, lead them to, to fill out a connection card uh, so that we can uh, give them some more information and maybe Journey Church International can, can become their church home as we move forward. God, as we start this new year, uh, let it be another chance to grow closer to you and have our best year ever. We love you. We'll see things in Jesus' name today. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year once again. Uh, if you're like me and you're watching before January 1, you're going to enjoy tomorrow. Uh, January 2 more than January 1 because college football is on all day long. I can't wait for that. I will see you next Sunday, January 8th at uh, Summit Lakes Middle School, 1030 a.m. for a church service. Bring a friend, bring a family, and let's have an awesome year together. God bless.